Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Today I'd like to share uh, a message called, Is It Profitable? A Lesson in Sowing and Reaping. Is it profitable? If you'll turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll gain our first text there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. There are two times that Paul is going to make this similar statement, and um, there are many meanings that can be drawn out of the statement. So what we're going to do is just draw a meaning. It's not the only meaning. This is not um, the final word on the topic. It's just the beginning of a conversation here. If you'll join me in verse 23, Paul says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Here is a principle that Paul is giving. And one distinction and, and clarification I might add at the very beginning here is it should never be misunderstood that Paul is saying, I can do whatever I want to do. When he speaks of the freedom that comes through the blood of Yeshua, he's not talking about the freedom to sin. So he's not saying murder is now lawful, so I can do it, but it's just not profitable. That's not what he's saying. I just want to make that distinction in case somebody should be confused, you know, and think, well, all things are lawful. It just may not help me. But what, he's, uh, what I want to draw out of this is a principle of profitability and the fact that what we do brings about a profit. And then he goes on in verse 24, let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. And that's where I want to focus today on the idea of sowing and reaping. Who in here would like to be profitable? Let's just think uh, physically for a moment in your home, maybe your personal finance and your business. Raise your hand if you'd like to be profitable. You like to make money. Okay, that's good. This is not a prosperity message, by the way. Uh, we detest those kinds of messages because we believe in the blessing of Yahweh, and, uh, but we also believe that uh, the gospel is not about prosperity. How many of you know that the apostles and most disciples had their heads chopped off? So not all things uh, come uh, blessing in that sense. So we're not talking about prosperity here, but we are talking about profitability. And I want to make a point to you here and a sense of business and then bring it spiritually. The purpose of business is to be profitable. Sure, you might start a restaurant and think to yourself, I want to bless people with the most tasty steak or the most tasty brisket they can possibly have. I want to bless people with my superior recipe. That might be your goal. But if your steak or your brisket doesn't bring in money, you can't keep doing it. There has to be some way to produce what you want and to continue your business. Now, the only exception here is nonprofit organizations, but even those organizations still require money. So we want to be profitable. Well, one might ask themselves, how can I become profitable in my business? Because if you're not profitable, you go 
bankrupt. Let me just share a story with you briefly. The term bankrupt reminds me of the blessed game Monopoly. How many of you have ever played Monopoly before? You're a big fan. Keep your hands up if you still play Monopoly and would love to play against me sometime soon. Okay, Um, I'm asking that because I have what's known as the blacklist of Monopoly. And those are people I'll never play Monopoly with again for the rest of my life. And there's a lot of people on that list, so I don't get to play very often. One of the people on my black uh, list of Monopoly players is a man that you might know by the name of Ruben Cupid. And uh, Ruben and I were playing a game of Monopoly, very competitive game of Monopoly. Ruben was involved, Ruben Wilson was involved, and also another unmentionable person. And... Um, there was a really interesting dynamic that started taking place because when I play Monopoly, I play to win. I want to do it as graciously as I can, but I want to win. I don't want to go bankrupt. And some call that ruthless. I just call it playing the game. Well, Reuben, uh, somewhere along the way, Reuben Cupid, uh, he decided that he was going to give his properties to this other player give his properties to this other player, helping him win the game, as long as he received some sort of percentage every time he made money. Now, you might think that's a clever approach, and you might think to yourself, that could work, but it can't. And let me tell you why it can't. Because if you're not making money, if you don't own property, you cannot win the game. And I said, maybe Ruben remembers, you can't do that. And he said, it's not against the rules. And I said, that might be true, but you can't win if you don't own property. And he said, I'm not playing to win. And that's when he got on my blacklist, just with that statement right there. (laughs) Immediately, I'll never play with you again. The person he partnered with also got on my blacklist. Reuben Wilson and I went on to win that game because we realized quickly if we didn't team up, we were going to lose. So we formed an illegal alliance. It is illegal in Monopoly to form alliances. I don't care what they say to you. You cannot do it. It's against the rules. It's actually not against the rules, but it's not. It's for shame. We concluded. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. My point is, is that you can't win if you're not profitable. And so life is like that. There's a spiritual lesson here that should be learned. If you're not profitable, you're not going to win. One of the things about Monopoly is you have to improve your property. And this is another thing that's a spiritual lesson. You have to improve. If you don't improve what you have, someone will take it from you. Your spiritual life is the same way. If we don't improve our spiritual growth, if we don't improve our spiritual life, if we're not consistently building, as it's often referred to in Monopoly, if we're not building, then we're going to lose what we have. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Yahweh wants to lead you into maturity through his Holy Spirit. One of the things that happens when we get baptized is we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit And it's not just like, oh, it's a present. Here you go. It's a blessing for life. 
and it's, it has a purpose. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Yahweh is meant to lead and guide us into all truth. If you seek to be more mature and grow spiritually, you have to do things that produce spiritual profit. You have to do things that will gain maturity. So in business, the way you act or the way you conduct your business has a lot to do with your profitability. If you walk into a restaurant, for example, and you find that the food is disgusting and the, the server was rude and the price was too expensive, do you think you'll ever go back to that restaurant again? No. What you do in business matters to whether you continue to be profitable or not. Now, there is a restaurant in Chicago, I believe, where you go in there and the whole purpose is that everybody in the restaurant is rude to you. But that's just for a fun experience. That's not what you normally would want out of a restaurant. Am I right? And if you've never been there, you should go. It's fun. But typically, we're looking for business owners that are kind, that are thoughtful, that are considerate, that are honest, that are trustworthy. They have integrity. But if you treat your customers like garbage, they'll stop shopping with you. This principle is applied also to our family. If you treat the people in your life, your friends, your family, coworkers, if you treat them like garbage, it's not profitable to you. And what you'll find is people will avoid you at all costs. Profitability. I started thinking about profitability in my own life. If I am having a, an interaction with my wife, for example, how many of you know that when you get in a disagreement, there are things you can say that are true? But just because they're true doesn't mean they're going to help you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They're not going to help you. You can say whatever you want to inside of a marriage, and most couples have. But not all things are profitable. Just because you can say it doesn't mean you should say it. Being right isn't always right. And you don't have to be right to be right. I can lose an argument and know that I was right and still come out on the other side okay. It's very difficult, though, and I don't practice that often. But I'm certain that it's possible. So it's entirely possible that in a conversation you can say things that are true. Well, you act just like your mama. That might be true. But is it profitable? Is it going to make you money later? It's probably going to cost you. And that's why I want to transition now into this biblical concept of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. I hope everyone is on the same page as me. We want to do things that are profitable in our relationships. We want to do things that are profitable in the assembly. We want to do things that are profitable at work. If you're doing something that's costing you and you continue to do things that cost, 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 and you never bring in any 
reward or any profit, you're going to go bankrupt. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally bankrupt. And we've all seen people like this. I don't want to be a person that nobody likes. I want to be a person that people enjoy being around. I want to be a person that brings blessings to people. I want to be a person that is profitable in my relationship. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to transition now into this concept of sowing and reaping. I want to teach you, uh, more specifically, I'd like Scripture to teach us, because I'm learning as well, how to be profitable. Brethren, verse 1, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you are You who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Messiah. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load." So Paul is giving us some spiritual advice here. He's talking to us about our mature approach to issues, our mature approach to trespass, and our mature approach to our own humility. If anyone thinks of himself more than he should, he's in trouble. He deceives himself. So we all must be humble. And now we get into verse 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Verse 7, do not be deceived. Yahweh is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit Reap eternal life. Yahweh is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. Why does it say Yahweh is not mocked? Well, here is what I believe that means. I believe that Yahweh has set in place a system of universal principle. It's like gravity. You can jump off of a building and experience the wonders of free fall for a moment, but in the end, you will splatter because gravity is at work. Reaping and sowing is a similar principle. You can reap, rather sow to your flesh and feel good in the moment, but in the end, you're going to crash. Why? Because Yahweh's not marked. Yahweh has established this principle of reaping and rather sowing and reaping. By the way, what does sowing mean? For those of you who are younger, you might think sowing here, I'm talking about making a garment. Well, I'm not. The idea of sowing here is to plant. The Greek means to scatter seed. So if I've got a field. This is a, a farmer's term, by the way. Sowing is a, a farmer's term. If I've got a field and I want to produce some sort of vegetable or fruit or crop, I have to 
put seeds into the field so that they'll start to grow and give me a crop. Pretty simple, right? A lot of people don't know, though, where corn comes from or where tomatoes come from or anything like that. They just buy it. But we're all educated in this room, praise Yahweh. But there are people who go to the grocery store and have no idea where their food comes from. But it comes from this principle of sowing. Interestingly enough, if you go deeper into the word sowing in the Greek, there's another word, 4685, which means to draw. To draw. And there's another idea of drawing a sword. So I'm pulling something out. Here's the idea. If I want to receive some blessing, I have to plant in order to draw. Does that make sense? I have to give in order to receive. Now, some blessings come without you giving, and those are truly blessings. But in life, the principle is, if I want to gain, I have to give. I have to put something out. Sowing is drawing out a product of the seed. Reaping is receiving the reward for that which you plant. Now, some young people and older people are thinking maybe in their minds, this sounds a lot like karma. How many of you have heard the term karma before? Yeah? How many of you, have, don't raise your hand if you've used the term karma. It's witchcraft. Don't, 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 don't admit that. Karma comes from Eastern mysticism, Hinduism and Buddhism. And ironically, not so ironically, it, its basis is the same as sowing and reaping. The only difference is where the glory goes. So in Hinduism and Buddhism, there's this idea of rebirth. And karma is the reward of your life. So you can do good things and receive good things, or you can do bad things and receive bad things. And this is based on your destiny. So if you do good things in this life, in your next life, you might have it a little better. If you do bad things in this life, in your next life, you might not do better. And this just goes on and on in a continuous cycle until somebody breaks it and becomes a god. Now, we're not talking about Eastern mysticism here. We're talking about the biblical construct of reaping, rather sowing and reaping. But karma is extremely popular today in culture. But it has nothing to do with the Bible and it has nothing to do with Yahweh. In fact, karma believes that... um, Rather, Hinduism and and, uh, Buddhism believe that the gods, the many gods they serve, have nothing to do with karma, that this is just something that happens according to the universe. We believe that the blessings and cursings come from Yahweh. All glory to Yahweh. Hallelujah. He who gives and he who takes away. So what am I talking about here? How can we apply this concept of sowing and reaping into our spiritual and relational lives. Here's what I want to share with you. When, when I say something or when I do something, 
there's going to be something else that happens off of that. We actually can change our environment every single moment of every single day based on what we do and what we say. It's like the idea of the, the drop falling into a big lake. When any drop falls into a lake or any rock or pebble, it creates what? A ripple. And the ripple is the effect of the cause of the dropping. And sometimes we don't fully understand that in our own personal lives. We just think, well, I can say this or that and get away with it, or I can do this or that and get away with it. There's no real effect. There's no cause and effect, but actually there is. There's a major cause and effect for what we do. When you speak or when you act, you effectively change the environment around you. Maybe you've experienced something like this. Um, I never wanted to be the dad that whenever I came home, my kids got nervous and like sort of hid from the presence of me, wondering if I was going to be in a good mood or in a bad mood. Do you know what I'm talking about? But I found that oftentimes this is what I ended up producing. Because I could come home in a bad mood, my kids would just sort of wait nervously and find out whether it was a good mood or whether it was a bad mood. Noah would go to his room if it was a bad mood. He would just straight up say, you know what? If I stay in this environment, I know it's going to result in me getting grounded. It would be better that I go to sleep than to stay with dad. Maybe you guys can relate to that. So what I found is that in order to avoid Noah, all I had to do was come home grumpy. So I'm grumpy all the time. Just kidding. That's not true. But we have an effect on our environment as parents, as a husband, as a wife. We affect our workplace. If the things that you say are positive, if the things that you do are meaningful, then you affect your environment in good ways. You're sowing blessing and therefore you will reap blessing. But if you sow curses, if you sow evil, then you will also reap the evil. This is a principle that Yahweh has established. So oftentimes we have, we have the opportunity to, I don't know, be angry with our spouse or with our family, with our kids. Sometimes we have the opportunity to hold resentment, to get revenge in our relationships. And all of these things are possible. You can do it if you want to. But the question is, is it profitable? Is that the kind of thing I want? John Foreman, who is the lead singer for Switchfoot, wrote a really important song called The World You Want. I just want to share some words from that song briefly. He asked the question in the chorus, is this the world you want? You're making it. Every day you're alive, you change the world. Every day you're alive, you change the world. That's a lot of power that we all have, isn't it? So much so that the Bible says the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
We have a lot of control over our environment. We have a lot of influence on our environment. He goes on to say in the bridge, you start to look like what you believe. You float through time like a stream. If the waters are made up by you and I, if you change the world for you, you change it for me. And then he says this, what you say is your religion. How you say it is your religion. Who you love is your religion. How you love is your religion. All your science, your religion. All your hatred, your religion. All your wars are your religion. Every breath is your religion. If we get judged on the basis of the things that we're sowing and reaping, how are we doing? Is anybody producing good fruit? Yeshua says that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So the question we all have to ask ourselves is daily, am I producing good fruit? Is what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, how I'm doing it, is it producing a result in my life that's bringing about blessings? Or am I producing something in my life that's bringing about curses? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. We have to look inside of us. And ask ourselves these difficult questions. That's what he says in verse 1. Each one looking to yourself so that you will not so that you too will not be tempted. Look at yourself. Look at myself. Do I produce fruit? Am I sowing good seed that people are wanting? My family, my wife. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to finish up this thought by, well, two more scriptures actually, but I want to share this with you. Another key ingredient to sowing and reaping is the attitude of our heart. If we sow seeds for good reasons, then the blessings will come. But if we sow seeds for bad reasons, the blessing will not be recognized. Our motivation matters. For example, in verse 1, Paul says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, in music, there's a place for the gong and the cymbal. And when they're done right, it sounds really good and it's a blessing. But if I got up here, when I was in high school band, you know, we had to play crash cymbals. That's when you hold two cymbals in your hand with leather straps, and at the right time, you crash them together. That's really fun at the right moment. But in the wrong moment, it's annoying, and everybody's irritated instantly. So what you have these young high schoolers doing in the back of the room is they get excited, and they just start banging the cymbals, and everybody in the room is immediately irritated. And they're all looking back there saying, what are you doing? Stop that immediately. That's insane. 
And that's what it's like. If you speak to people, you have the language of angels, but you don't have love, all you're really doing is making noise. It's annoying to people. It's a put off. It's not going to produce the fruit that you want. Look at the next one. If we have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries, which by the way is a pretty significant gift, and you have all knowledge and all faith so as to remove mountains. This is a huge thing if you had that. But if you don't have love, what does it mean? What does it profit you? Nothing. So if you're going to sow in the gift of prophecy, if you want to sow in the mysteries and knowledge and your faith, you have to do it with the right intentions. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned and do not have love, it profits me nothing. There's no profit even in the giving if the motivation is not right. That's difficult to receive. Because not only do I have to sow good seeds, but I have to sow good seeds with the right attitude. Man, it's hard to follow Yeshua, isn't it? I mean, really, the bar is high. There's a tremendous amount of constant reform that happens inside of your heart and mind. A constant working of the Holy Spirit. If I do the right thing for the wrong reason, doesn't matter. I have to do the right things for the right reasons. And then it matters. So if I apologize to my wife, but I don't really mean it, it doesn't matter. Although it is nice to hear an apology from time to time. How many of you know what I mean? Some of you are married to people who have a hard time apologizing. So even a non-heartfelt apology from time to time can be a blessing. As I told Amanda one time, I just want to hear the words come out of your mouth. You don't have to mean it. Just say it. And I meant that. And she said it. And she didn't mean it. And I was happy. She's not even in the room right now. We should go on with that, but we're not going to. So not only do I have to plant the seeds, not only do I have to sow the right things, but I have to do it with the right motives. If you're obeying your mom and dad just so you can get what you want, that's going to be a blessing in a short term, but it long term doesn't help the relationship. But we'll take what we can get. Let's go to James chapter 3. What I want to share is that following Yeshua is constant work. We're not following men. You're not following me. I'm not following you. We're following Yeshua. He is the example. He is what we are attaining to. In James chapter 3, we have this in verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. What we do matters, but why we do it matters too. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, 
natural and demonic. Selfish desire is something that we need to be careful of. Selfish ambition is what we have to be careful of. If I'm in a relationship, if I'm in a a conversation with my wife, I can say something to her that's really hurtful, and it's going to make me feel good in a moment, but that good feeling is not heavenly. That good feeling is earthly. It's fleshly. It's demonic. How's that for some truth? When you act that way, you're acting like a demon. So we need to be careful. For where, verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure. This is the challenge, by the way. This is a challenge for you and I. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed, pay attention now, we're talking about sowing, the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So when you're sowing your seeds, if you're sowing with jealousy, if you're sowing, showing, uh, sowing with bitterness, anger, don't deceive yourself. You're not sowing according to the spirit. You're sowing according to the flesh. It's demonic. If you want to sow according to the spirit, if you want to sow according to the heavens, then you do this. You sow purely peaceably, gently, reasonably, mercifully, and good fruit, unwavering, without hypocrisy. It's a difficult road that we walk. It's not easy. This faith in Yeshua is not about coming to church every weekend and having a great social life. That's a blessing. The faith of Yeshua is taking his character every single day and matching it to our character and saying, show me how to live like you lived. That is what pure religion looks like, to become like Yeshua. I'm thankful for the grace that Yahweh extends to us through the blood of Yeshua, that these are even possible. Some of you have heard the, con- the term transcendence before. Transcendence is, I'm going to take a stab and say it's sort of based on Eastern mysticism, but a lot of people in the atheistic Um, world subscribe to the idea of transcendence. When one can rise above the circumstances, rise above their experience in this world and come to a true, full of understanding of what it is to be perfect. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about transcendence. 
It does say something about transformation, though. And when we talk about transformation, we're not talking about transcendence. We're talking about becoming conformed to the likeness of Yeshua. That spiritual maturity is one of our greatest goals. So again, when it comes to this reaping and this sowing, this profitability, we need to be careful about what we're doing, what we're saying, but not only that, but why we're doing it and why we're saying it. If it's for love, you're winning. If it's for self, forget about it. I want to close by sharing this last thought with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. We've talked about profitability, sowing and reaping. Now I want to share with you this last thought about sowing the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says something really important here. In verses 1 through 5, or rather 1 through 4, some people were bragging about who baptized them and thought that that was important, but Paul was saying it's not important at all because he says this, verse 5, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the sovereign gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but Yahweh was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but Yahweh who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are Yahweh's fellow workers. You are Yahweh's field, Yahweh's building. One of the things that we should be sowing in life is not just our relationships with our wives or our husbands, not just the relationship with our children or the assembly or our friends or our coworkers. We need to be sowing the gospel. We need to be sharing with other people the hope that we have. We need to be sharing with people the hope that we have. Philip mentioned it in his prayer today when he said, we know the world is failing. We know the world is failing. We know the world is falling apart. We know that things are not going well. And so each one of us who have been baptized into the body of Yeshua carry inside of you this beacon of hope, this light that needs to be shared with the world. I need to share it. You need to share it. This is the, one of the most important seeds that we can plant. It's one of the most important seeds we can sow. We need to be sowing the word of Yahweh, sowing the gospel everywhere we go. People should see that when we throw out seeds of goodness, righteousness, peace, hope, they should be able to see that fruit in us and say, that's something that I want. Not that it's about us because it has nothing to do with us, which is what Paul just said. This has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Yahweh. 
So when you're going around and you're talking to people, we need to be sharing the good news of Yeshua, the fact that he is the only begotten son of Yahweh and that he has in fact covered our sins with his blood and given us the opportunity, the promise of eternal life. This is the good news of Yeshua. And Yahweh will cause that growth. You don't have to worry about it. If you're planting the gospel into people's hearts, if you're giving hope every single day, Yahweh will cause the growth. Amen? We don't have to worry about that. The world is desperate for an answer, and you know the answer. So I just want to be an encouragement today that as we think about being profitable in our relationships, as we think about sowing and reaping and sowing the gospel, that we'll remember that what we do matters, what we say matters, how we live matters. One person said, your life may be the only Bible people ever read. Let's pray. Thank you, Yahweh, for this day. Father, we're thankful for your faithfulness. Help us, Yahweh, to live a life that's honorable. Yahweh, a life that is spirit-filled, a life that seeks after your Son. Help us to think about our own actions, our own words every day like seeds that we're planting into the hearts and minds of other people, seeds that we're planting into the environment that are affecting our world. Yahweh, help us to see that we're important, not only in our family, but in the assembly. We're important in this community and that what we do and say has lasting impact. Yahweh, help us to be bold and courageous to share the good news of the gospel of your son, Yeshua, and to boldly proclaim that his blood has set us free, all to the glory of your name and for your honor. We give you thanks for it in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for your time today. May Yahweh bless you.